I'm excited that entrepreneurship has become so cool and competitive because Job's a kid. How old are you? 34. He's a fucking child. Mm. And athletes went through massive, generations of athletes prior to Job really struggled living their whole life wanting to do something alpha and competitive, achieving their max goal, and then being considered old at 33. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Gary, welcome to Melbourne. Thank you guys, how are you? Good, good. How's your uh, trip been? It's been a, bit of, a bit of a quick one in and out? It's actually a long one for me because I decided to stay over the weekend and do um, some consulting. So, uh, quite a long trip, a week. Usually when I go to Australia to four or five you know, cities, I'm here for like four days. It's literally land, shower, speak, boom, 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 boom. So it's actually a, a pretty long trip by my standards. Maybe the longest trip in another country I've done in six or seven years. Wow. So it's seven or eight days um, and, uh, and I'm enjoying it. Awesome. And you, you're here at the best time of year slash worst for weather slash best for sport. And we're the, uh, we're the self-proclaimed sporting capital of the world, if you haven't heard it <laughs> 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 every time. <laughs> um, and Job is a former AFL player. Yep. Uh, um, and, and I guess the, the interest in chatting with you, apart from business and, and, and marketing and all that sort of stuff, which is my sort of, sort of game, is, is, the, is the footy side and, yep. the, and the sports side and also sports management with yep. sports. So, yep. Um, do you watch? Do you know much about Australian football? I do actually. Um, I've been to two separate playoff games. One with uh, Collingwood uh, at their home, and the and the it was one of the best sporting experience I've ever had. At Just, the MCG there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Just the you know kind of tribal, kind of hardcore. You know, I remember it was during a time, this is like 2001, two, three, the Raiders were having a good run in America yeah. and the silver and black and kind of that. And I, I remember thinking that, but so I do, I, I probably watched seven to 10 matches on TV through the years to being in different parts of the world, Asia or here. Um, I don't fully, fully understand it uh, enough because I just haven't consumed enough of it. But a lot of footy players have started making transitions to the NFL. Yeah. Um, and the Jets have uh, a punter, Lachlan Edwards, who's a nice Aussie mate. And, yeah. and, and, um, and for me, it's, um, there's a kid, Valentine, right now on the Jets, yeah. who's uh, on the practice squad and, um, excuse me, trying to make the Jets football team. I've been interacting with him a little bit. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's something that has been uh, very much on my mind. Because I'm a Raiders supporter, so um, and I know you're a big Jets fan. Yes. How, how did that come about? I know you lived in Jersey, but when did this sort of passion come for the Jets? It happened right, I mean, probably within the week of moving to New Jersey. When yeah. I was six years old, you know, I was still kind of learning America and the, and the language. Uh, for everybody who doesn't know, I was born in the Soviet Union. I came to the U.S. as a young child. and. When we moved to New Jersey, that was suburban life, and I and it was in the 1980s when kids used to go outside and play. So I just literally, you know, ate breakfast one morning, and my mom threw me out the door. So I'm just literally wandering. This is real, by the way, wandering the streets looking for kids, and uh, found a group of kids throwing around an American football, and walked over, and they said, you know, who's your favorite team? And I said, I have no idea. And Eric Godfrey, still know him to this day, said. You're a Jets fan. I'm like, okay, I'm a New York Jets fan. And uh, didn't necessarily even know what that meant. Started watching the game and became an enormous passion of mine. Just deeply resonate with sports. As I've gotten older and maybe within the last year or two, I've realized 
that it has so much to do with the fact that there's so much merit mm. in sport. Yeah, you know, it's such an equalizer sport. It, it just you can't hide. You come from, can't hide. It, it shows you good and your worst. Can't hide. Yeah, yeah. And I love that. There's a score. There's adversity during the process. Yeah. There's an end result. There's, you know, so much of what I hate about society is hiding and posturing and bullshitting and. Mm. You know, sport does not allow that. You could talk a big game, yeah. but once you get in there, the reality plays out. Regardless yeah. of the hype, regardless of where you were picked, regardless of your background, to your point, regardless of what you did yesterday, mm. you know, is something I, you know, probably the reason I love boxing so much. Talk about somewhere you can't hide. Yeah. At least in a team sport, you can kind of muster it up like, hey, it was my mate, he fucked up. <laughs> you know, boxing is super suffocating to the truth. Yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah, that's you know it's it was it started young and it continues to this day to be one of the great places for me to escape, mm. you know my reality. Those three hours during a Jets football game is, it's like meditation. It's like a, you know it's like it's like worshiping. It's it's just a, a place where I can escape my realities and really get sucked into the drama of that story, yeah. and you don't know how the story is going to play out. Do you th- do you think that's why? Um... Sports captivates people because it is a, it's an escapism that is emotionally based for them, and so they yes. can go and it, it takes them somewhere on a journey. I do. Yeah, I think much like a movie or a good book. Yeah, um, I think it, it is escapism. I also think for some people, not for me, for some people, it's a place to get validation where they can't ac- accomplish it themselves. Mm. So, I I think one of the tough things about being a fan is watching people be fans of very successful teams and being confused that that's their success. Hmm. I are think you, are you directing this in the Boston, the Greater Boston area. I am. <laughs> and, and by the way, I, I'm, I'm. You know, it's funny. Not at the Greater Boston area because they should be Patriot fans. Yeah. I'm talking to the kid who's 16, living in Oklahoma, wearing a Tom Brady jersey, yeah. who claims he's a Patriots fan, who he shouldn't be. You know, unless he has grandparents from Boston or, you know, watching people become Golden State Warrior fans or Cleveland Cavalier fans or Yankee fans that shouldn't be but they need self-esteem mm. from somewhere outside of themselves I think is a tell to being a loser yeah. uh, and uh, that's how I see it. Do, do you think that... Um... To me, for example, to be a footy fan in a market that has a team yeah. and cheer for the team that won last year's championship you're a fucking loser. Yeah, yeah. Just don't follow Collingwood. <laughs> Number one rule. <laughs> Do you think is sports in danger of being taken by esports? Like, is there? Is there no, no. no. But I think esports will be here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and which is great. Yeah. You know, no. I think you know. I think there's always room for sports. Mm. New sports, sports fading. Yeah. You know, but no, I don't think you know. I, I, first of all, I think the skill set that it takes to be a great Fortnite player. It's quite different than being a good footy player or a proper football player or American football player. So a lot of kids that are gonna end up being great champions in esports, we're never destined to be an NBA no. player or be on the tennis tour. Yeah. Um, so that's how I see it. Yeah. Someone like Joe who's uh, been a professional athlete and in our game you, you can last, you know, in, in any game I guess you can last two minutes or you can last 15 years in some cases. Uh, and Joe was smart enough to make transition to business and has, has opened businesses in New York as well. Uh, you deal with athletes now all the time, but then also on the business side. What's the comparison that you see in those athletes to business? I'm excited that entrepreneurship has become so cool and competitive because Job's a kid. How old are you? 34. He's a fucking child. Mm. And athletes went through massive, 
generations of athletes prior to Job really struggled living their whole life wanting to do something alpha and competitive, achieving their max goal, and then being considered old at 33. And then they had to live 70 more years. So the fact that I'm watching a lot of these guys and gals be able to transition at 35 and find a new way to compete that will actually lead to prosperity instead of depression really makes me happy. And, uh, and I think that's why you know, it's really cool to see the rise of entrepreneurship benefit so many athletes because I think you see a lot of them really have struggled in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s and now you're starting to see that become a new outlet and I'm happy about that. Do you think that there needs to be a, a really strong content footprint from these athletes? online to help develop once they finish sport? I don't think so. I don't think it has to be. I think it's a good idea. <laughs> I think it's a good idea to, you know, squeeze as much out while everyone's looking at you and, you know, I'm sure Joe felt this. Like I tell Jets players all the time, like you better use me while I'm you're a Jet because I'm interested in meeting with you because if you get traded or when you retire, it's just not as interesting. And, and so that's the, that's the thing about an athlete is you never as relevant. When, never. Uh, when you retire. Never. It's never going to be the same. Never. Yeah. Not even Kobe right no. now, who's no, an exactly. icon. Yeah. It just isn't. No. And so I do think, but, but let's talk about something else. One may also be an introvert. You know, there's a lot of athletes who don't want to put out content, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I think it's the right thing to do, but I don't think it's a requirement. I think you can go on to have a monumental business career. Mark Zuckerberg doesn't put out content every day. You know, Jeff Bezos doesn't put out content every day. Mm. Sarah Blakely doesn't put out content every day. So you could build a great business without being a content uh, creator. It doesn't hurt. But Gary Vee does put out content. I do. Right? And, so, and you also have Venus Sports. Yes. What, what advice do you then give to your, the, the guys? Look, the we're a new firm in a very competitive space and so the 27 guys who've signed up with us clearly see our value off the field. Mm. So we, but we reverse engineer them. A lot, most of the guys are not producing content at scale. All of the guys are taking very smart meetings and having, are, are being groomed to be successful men in their relationships as fathers, let alone businessmen. So I'm in the business of reverse engineering. You know, it's, I think about it like coaching. If somebody is fast, that's something you pay attention to. It's hard to get way faster. You know, it's hard to get way faster, but you might be you might be tough, or you might be extremely thoughtful, or have incredible instincts. So, with Vayner Sports, it's important for me to get to know Geronimo Allison, Allen Robinson. It's important for me to know John Toth, or you know, I need to know Cam Kennedy. I need to know who they are as a human, and then I can reverse engineer. One of the things that um, I speak to a lot, a lot of other players who have retired and things like that is when you're when you're playing, you actually never really have that opportunity for self discovery. You never really ask yourself, who am I? What is it I like? Because you're so single mindedly focused on performance and, That's right. and playing your game. That's so right. When it finishes and that game's no longer there, those those experiences that people have in their twenties when they go, who am I? What do I like? You you haven't asked yourself those questions, and I think that's where that negativity and the fear of finishing a a career uh, comes about. Look, I think there's a lot of people in their 20s that are non-athletes that never asked them that question either. Yeah. You know, so I don't think it's a, but yeah, I think that's right. Mm -hmm. I think the identity is wrapped up into a singular action. Mm and, and, and it's amazing, and you, you may be sensing this as well, in the US, these 18 to 25 year olds are dramatically more thoughtful around 
their off the field activities than even a half a, gen- a, half a generation ago. It's crazy to watch the evolution. Um, and that comes out of entrepreneurship being cool. There's nothing yeah. else to say. Same with rappers. Yeah. Blows my mind yeah. what rappers are talking about at 20 compared to the ones I hung out with 10 years ago. Just completely <laughs> left field, like have completely made the transition to far more thoughtful, empire building, yeah. legacy. You know, they're still looking to hook up and make money and do all those things, but there is far more thoughtful conversation going on these days from athletes and, and uh, entertainers. When you um, come to Australia, uh, you know, you obviously built your career in, in the US. You're not as well known here as maybe what you would be there. When yep. someone comes up and you have to describe yourself to them, how do you do it now with all of the things you've got going on? I, I just say I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm, and, and then if the conversation goes, like, they're like, like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I, you know, I invest, I have, I have a, a very large agency, advertising. They're like, what does that mean? I'm like, you know, like Mad Men, but for Facebook and Twitter and things of that nature. They're like, okay, I understand that. Um, and I speak and I produce content, I write books. So, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, um, I'm not overly worried. You know, it, it's weird. When you're climbing, you are hungry to, get, to explain everything. When you, when you get to a maturity in your career where you probably feel a little bit better about some of your accomplishments, things of that nature, I almost now find myself downplaying it more, right? You know, like I don't have a deep need. I almost enjoy the, if after I leave, if they Google it, they're like, wait a minute. Yeah. You know, like, you know, so I, I kind of find myself being a little less anxious or chip on my shoulder to like fully explain my resume. Mm-hmm. I, I go simply with entrepreneur. If they dig a little further, I'll give them more context. You also uh, have this awesome uh, have this awesome story that I think our fans would really uh, be interested in hearing if they hadn't heard from you, which is you're going from a family-run business and building that on your own to then becoming a successful investor. Yes. Um, can you just tell us a bit about that experience in terms of the Facebook and the yep. Twitter and the Twitter? So I walked into my dad's liquor store. It was a liquor store in New Jersey, one-store unit. In 1996, I launched an e-commerce version of it called Wine Library, and as you can imagine, especially with e-commerce being cool right now, the fact that I was doing e-commerce 23 years, you know, like you're talking about, it was real pioneer shit, it really worked. The business went from a four to a $60 million business over a very short period of time, changed the course of my family's life. I had done what I wanted, which is help my family. I owned none of that business. I did good, I did right by my family, and then, and then YouTube came, so I built that business on the back of e-commerce, yeah. email marketing, which was revolutionary at the time, and then Google AdWords, which was also completely revolutionary at the time. Um, Then YouTube came, and I started a wine show on YouTube a couple months after YouTube, and that exploded. And at that point, I realized, wait a minute, I'm not a great wine merchant, I'm a great marketer, I'm a great businessman. And and then YouTube sold to Google for $1.7 billion. And to put into context for your listeners, $1.7 billion in 2006, would be like if you heard that TikTok sold for a trillion dollars today. It was a big number. It wasn't, you know, now we have all the billions running around. This was back in the day of hundreds of millions. Billions weren't being talked about. So that was like, fuck, that was huge. And I was like, damn it. What? And I started reading articles on the internet about it. I'm like, who are the, what's this angel investor? Like I started seeing some terminology. I, Goog- I literally Googled angel investor, I'm like, person that gets into a deal before it goes public. I'm like, I like that, I'm gonna do that. And literally right there, I'm like, I'm gonna start doing that. And so I started really going to tech conferences like a couple months later and 
I got an incredible opportunity to invest in Twitter from one of the early uh, employees, the original CTO, and I did that. And then I made a video about Twitter versus Facebook. That went viral at Facebook. I spoke to Facebook. Mark was in the audience. He came down and we had dinner. I got friendly and a couple months later he called me and said his parents were looking to sell some stock. And you know, I, I think he said my parents. I said yes. You know? <laughs> so I got to invest in that. And then I was getting greedy. I was like, okay, I'm on, I got the two things I want. And then within five minutes of realizing Tumblr was winning at junior high, yeah. I intuitively was like, okay, that's got a shot. And started you know, really looking at it. Had some ideas how to make it better. Uh, met David Karp, the founder of it, and got to invest in that. And so right out the gate, I, you know, I had a Hall of Fame yeah. investing career. All three of those were monster exits for me. Game-changing generational wealth returns. And then I invested more and I did well. You know, Birchbox and Uber and lots of little different things but never to the same level. Even with Snapchat and Pinterest and Uber which were big wins for me. Um, I, uh, that, was, that was when I didn't think I was an investor. That's when I was just making smart decisions. Yeah. You know, um, I, like, I like that feeling. Let me tell you something very funny. I feel like I'm nowhere to that level but I'm in a very smart decision zone right now. I know. I don't think. I know that sports trading cards are about to explode. I know that I'm 43 and my generation of fathers now is starting to have children right around six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. Yeah. I know that gambling is a huge culture and the way sports cards are today is you can pull a $50,000 Zion card. Mm. And I know that the sneaker kids are, can't get enough inventory of hard to get sneakers to flip on StockX. Yeah. So they're moving to sports cards where they can buy a thousand and if they're right, they can really make money. So literally this is not a joke and it seems very small and detached from that 2009 era, seven, eight, nine era where I was doing all this investing. But sometimes I just see stuff that's very obvious to me and uh, you're catching me during this, literally the entire ride from the hotel to here, I'm looking up LeBron rookies, Messi and Ronaldo rookies. Uh, I think wrestling cards are underrated, so I'm looking for old Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan cards. Um, and I think it's happening. Cool. I've got a bunch of uh, old NBA cards. I don't know if anything cool came out here though back then. You should <laughs> really, you should, you know, for example, for example, I think Ben Simmons is just a jump shot away from being a top three player in the NBA. I know he's working on it. Like, to me, if I'm a collector here or a flipper, like literally going deep on him right now, he's pretty expensive to begin with because he's a top player, but like you can imagine if he becomes an NBA champion and, and, and a top 10 player, the arbitrage of selling his cards here, if I'm right about what's happening globally, yeah. um, is gonna be a big deal. Speaking of smart decisions, when are you moving your businesses to the best city in the world? <laughs> so it's a great question because we're opening up Singapore okay. um, We've already actually opened it up, but we're opening up kind of officially this fall. Um, but one of the reasons this is now the third full trip I've made for four to eight days to Australia is because I very much know I will be opening up operations in Australia. And I've been spending a lot of time bouncing between you know three or four of the major cities here, getting a sense, thinking about what I like, what I don't like. Um, some of the laws around firing people is something I don't love about Australia. <laughs> Uh, but other other than that, uh, this is just this country is extremely warm to me. Yeah. I I was a huge advocate of Australian wines in America in the late '90s yeah. and was one of the faces of 
the kind of secondary revolution of Australian wines in America. In the 80s, Penfolds, Grange, and a couple others, Henschke, made their mark. Yeah. In 1998 to 2002, there was an importer by the name of Dan Phillips from America that came here and swooped up in a great way to represent in America a lot of small producers, Rusden and Veritas and all these incredible producers, um, Wild Duck and all these great sh- things that we didn't have in the US and it was this huge thing, huge. And I was at the forefront of it. So you know, when I would come here in 2001, 2004, 2005, one of those trips was a 17 day trip. You know, I really got immersed and obviously Australia, the UK, the US, there's a lot of kind of similar DNA traits, obviously some differences, but um, I'm, I'm genuinely excited to when I'm doing meaningful business in this great country. We uh, are a very conservative market in terms of uh, some of our, the big brands that we, that we have here. And t- uh, we've, we've got a small market though. Um, how do you deal with brands that might, be, might have money to spend but they want to be conservative all the time when you, your ideas yeah. can be considered <laughs> the opposite of that? Uh, patience and conviction. That's it. Super simple. I, uh, I will not waver. I do not believe a television commercial is worth the price in Australia versus what Instagram and Facebook and YouTube can do. I see it every day, look at the data. Uh, and if Callaway Golf or uh, Eclipse Gum or Nike or Coca-Cola don't agree with me, uh, I'm willing to wait. It's their money. So I can't, you know, what am I gonna do? You know, I chose to be in client services so I can't cry about it, I don't dwell. I, I yell and scream and pontificate and passionately plea my case and then I just wait for history to be my co-signer. <laughs> so when, when uh, the, the saying that, that uh, the, client, the, the client is always right or the customer is always right, um, how if, do you do in that scenario? I think, I think, I think that the, cus- the client has control. The customer is always right, except you have to be careful, right? Because there's that great saying, if I listened to my customer, I would have made faster horses, right? So I, to me, the consumer is the judge and the jury. Um, a client controls the paycheck. So you can only do so much. It's like being mad at your parents. Like if you don't like what your parents are making you do, leave. Like don't take the money. Don't let them pay for your Uber. Don't let them pay for your clothes if you're such a tough guy. Yeah. You know, and so, um, but I don't think they're always right. You know, but they are the judge and the jury. But the judge and the jury is sometimes wrong. And they got the cash. Really. They, they, they're the judge and the jury. Yeah. Like, a, if, you know, I can, I can, again, I'm looking at these Callaway, you know, I can convey to Callaway that like, hey, I can get to more of your customers for a better price on LinkedIn than you can in buying a print ad or those billboards or, and they're just gonna, you know, a lot of companies go on reporting that has nothing to do with reality and that's why they make bad mistakes. Um, And uh, listen, Vayner has built one of the largest independent shops in the world, slowly but surely, so enough people say yes and I'm very okay with 23 out of 25 saying no. Speaking of cash, when are you going to knock on the Johnson's door and say uh, it's time for me to uh, to hand the keys over? 
So the Johnson uh, is the Johnson and Johnson, you know, empire. Uh, uh, I don't think Woody and Chris are selling the Jets, the New York Jets, anytime soon, which is just fine because I don't have the money to buy it anyway. Yeah. The worst thing that could happen to me and my goal is waking up this morning and finding out the Jets are for sale. <laughs> I would be panicking and you know and uh, scrambling and selling my soul. Um, I uh, I don't know, but but. I can't worry about things I can't control. So I have to worry about building infrastructure and foundation to creating the professional success that allows me to have an at-bat for my professional dream. Yeah. Um, we can't let you leave without doing a bit of an AFL quiz. Oh, oh man. Which, which is, is a visual-based quiz. We'll this is not gonna go well. Um, <laughs> I'm so, glad, you know what, I'm, you know what this, I always tell people, tell the truth, yeah. right? Like, Thank God I'm in this place because if I was like the huckster I was when I was 12 and tried to act like I knew something, I would be so exposed right now. All right. I'm going to play you some clips. Like This is going to be great. I'm going to play you some clips. clips. And you need to tell me if you think that this is legal, as in not a penalty, you know, or, or illegal. Okay, as in that's you cool. Get a, yep, a penalty. A penalty. Or, okay. Or this would play through the speakers as well. Legal. That was legal. That was clean. 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 Yeah. Correct. The, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's go. I was listening at home. That was Shane Mumford. That was a nice shot. <laughs> out Mitch Duncan. That was a massive hit. Um, we'll go to the next one. Ooh, that was tough. Oh my God. <laughs> we'll play it again for you. So for those listening at home, Toby Green. Uh, it's Toby. He's karate kicked. Uh... Karate kicked. <laughs> Legal or illegal. So that looks like a judgment call. I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go with legal. I think he got weeks for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know, how many, you remember how many I weeks? I think he got two weeks. Two weeks, yeah. Did he? Yeah. So yeah, no. You know, the, yeah. <laughs> now this is the same player, next one. Same players? Oh, he's really, that's what he does, huh? Yeah. That's illegal. No, that one was legal. Really? <laughs> you were right with judgment call at the first. Yeah. I see, yeah, yeah. yeah. That one was in what we would call the marking contest. Are you able to kick to the chest? Or, or that's contest. a... It's, you are technically got the ball and you're protecting your area. I right? see, that's yeah. good, I like that. Uh, here's the next one. This one's Andrew Walker on one of your ex-teammates. Yeah, yeah. this is... Uh, Jake Carlo. He doesn't like to see this. Nice kick. Oh my God! <laughs> what a play! That's super legal. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great yeah, athletic play. Wow, <laughs> that's an and incredible play. The next one. This is Barry Hall on Brent Staker for those playing. Is Barry Hall in the red and white? Brent, yeah. He's got big fucking arms. Yeah. Jesus. You should see what happens. Oh my God! What a left hook! I'm gonna go. That's illegal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what a <laughs> shot! Ten weeks. Ten, ten so weeks. Much. Ten weeks out. Jesus. Yes, yeah. yeah. we are a confusing game. That's for sure. <laughs> it's, a gr- it's a. It's a. Thank you. It's a. I. I, I kind of knew the kick was. You know what? The second one was clearly illegal. But I'm like, fuck. Are they setting me up? I don't want to seem like a soft American. So, um, it's. You know, it's amazing. One of the things I'm very fascinated, you know, footy reminds me a lot of American football. Like, I don't think people understand 
Americans don't. American football is an American sport. Yeah. Like they're trying in the UK, but like it is not a global sport. And uh, what's the second biggest market for footy? Probably Ireland, because in, in Ireland they play a game that's quite similar, Gaelic. Um, I see. So that's probably the second biggest market. I see. Yeah, but, but only because there's some sort of similarities. I think, you know, watching proper football, soccer as we call it in America, get big in America between FIFA, the video game, yeah. and English Premier League now being on television. You know, I, I actually see a scenario where the way video games are playing that, so is there a great footy video game? That's the, That's the biggest they, problem. They need to spend the money to make a great footy. I think game. if there's a great footy video game and as OTT, over the top, right, like Stan and Netflix here, as that gets bigger and they just need content. You know, I can see a, a footy video game and then footy being on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime in America, I actually am predicting that a lot of regional sports, like footy, like American football, like American baseball, um, ping pong, yeah. I, I can see a lot of things getting more popular in this globalization of technology. Yeah. Like when I watch those clips, I'm like, that's fucking cool. Yeah. I just need to watch more and have access and know the stories. Yeah, yeah. and we're lucky in Australia. We're, I think we're in the top five most uh, attended sp- sporting uh, events of all time in, in every sport. In the how, how, how is the championship played out? Is it a singular game or is it a series? Yeah, so there's a top eight. Finals, yep, yep. And, and how many teams are there overall? 18. Okay, so eight teams make the playoffs. 18 makes the playoffs. The top four get a double chance, so if they lose their first game, they still can stay. I understand. But the, first, the bottom four... They have to win, I know. Yep. One singular, yep. And then it's then the next round goes to knockout. So it goes from eight, uh, which is four games, down to uh, another yep. two, two, one. Final. And the final's a singular game? Well, like a Super Bowl. Like a Super Bowl. Yeah. And it is crazy? Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. Everybody in the country watches? Yes. At the MCG, which you went to, that's yep. where they always play it. That, that stadium. That stadium. Why? Because it's the best it's stadium in the world. It's got it. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> yeah. we're all and what date on. is that? Uh, the end of September, the last Saturday of September. Oh, so we're getting there. Yeah, we're not far away. Yeah, we're about yeah. to the finals. Job's uh, old team is hanging on to a finals position at the moment. The mm-hmm. Bombers, they lost on the weekend. Who's the, top, who's the top the team top right now? This year? And are they a historically great team or is this a good year for them? Last 20 years have been a, a really strong team. Understood. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's some, been some good teams that are up And there. who won it last year? West Coast Eagles, so the team over in Perth. Yep, and, yeah. and was that an upset or were they the best no, team last they, year? They, they were probably, um, they were, no, they were the best team last year. And this year? Uh, I think they're going to win it again this year. You do? Back to back. Yeah, it doesn't happen often, but there's been lately. And they they're been, hot? Yeah. The Bulldogs won a few seasons ago and they're probably the closest in recent history that have won as a team that was just out of nowhere came and won. Which so like at a wild card spot. Like an eight like an eight and they got hot. Yeah, yeah. that's what happened. Yeah. I love that shit. We actually just changed a rule in the game where it used to be out of um, uh, used to be out of if it, if it was a tie, you'd come back the next week and play again. The same game? Yep. Same game. We had it. You know, From the know. start? Yeah. Fresh or overtime? No, nope. nope. Start again. Start again the next week as if the game had never been played. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it happened about uh, six or seven years ago. They had to have another week again. It never the championship? The championship game. Ended in a tie. Ended in a tie. Well, wait, I, so hold on. I know we have to run, but I have to get this out of my system. 
So wait, your cha- your Super Bowl, your championship yeah, ends in a tie. Ends in a tie. Which means they have to play it the next week. Yeah. Explain to me the hysteria <laughs> during that week. That must have been the build-up must have been remarkable. It was crazy. Well, can you imagine the logistics of something that the biggest game no. of the year is now has to be repeated? So everything that needs. To I mean, did the country shut yet. down that week? Just building up to the next well, week. The, the, Melbourne shuts down completely. Yeah, yeah. we have oh, wow. no one goes to work. We have a public holiday, have a public holiday on the Friday before the, the grand final. Before. <laughs> before. Yeah. It plays on a Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. we play Saturday. Yeah. Day game in yeah. the middle of the day. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need to be more strategic next year on my trip yeah, and come, come during that. Yes, yeah, that'd be cool. To be here. Awesome, yeah. Gary, it's been so good. Thank you, man. Thank you, Thank you so much. Appreciate Great. it. Cheers. Thanks, guys, for listening. Please, please, please share the podcast and make sure you've subscribed because a bunch of you aren't subscribed, and more importantly, a bunch of you listen every day and haven't told your friends. It's